VNN Free Talk Live with Jeff Beck. All right, welcome to the broadcast. Yes, we've got a full lineup tonight, and um, let me give you a, a brief overview of what's going to happen. We're going to try to run a tight ship here, so we'll see how <laughs> we'll see how successful it is. Uh, of course, Alex will be on, and then we'll have um, the news roundup section, and uh, that's beginning just in a moment. And we're going to have White Man for White Land joining me. Uh, and so to talk about the news and, and what's going on. And if there's anything else uh, that you would like me to discuss or, or uh, White Man for White Land, send us a message uh, with Skype. It's VNN Free Talk Live. That's VNN Free Talk Live. If you'd like to join us for uh, a comment or uh, some conversation, uh, send a chat message first and uh, before calling. That's VNN Free Talk Live, VNN Free Talk Live. We do want to hear from you. Uh, guests and callers really make the show work. And it relieves a lot of burden on me, too, when other people are talking. So uh, I really like it. So we want you to call, and uh, it makes the show go, and um, it makes it uh, more interesting for everyone else. And there's a lot happening out in your area uh, that we would like to know about. Uh, I've mentioned a couple times about the um, the Chinese. Uh, apparently, there are Chinese moving in and, and setting up uh, whorehouses, basically, uh, in in certain parts of my county. Uh, and I'm sure those type of things are happening where you are. And I'm I'm here in the belly of the beast. Uh, apparently, uh, I'm sure that um, Alex, when he's on, will talk about uh, the gay bar happenings in uh, in Kirksville. So we want to know what's happening. And your views on things. If you want to talk about the uh, war on terror, uh, you can talk about that too. Anyway, let's see if a uh, white man for a white land is on the phone. Are you there? I am here. Well, great. Uh, is there something else I could call you? Uh, no, that that works fine. Or you could call me uh, just Adam Works. What was that? Uh, my my real name is Adam. My first Adam. Name. Call me that too. Yeah, if you want to just do that. Well, you don't need to tell me your uh, whole name. Just well, no, well, no, I won't. No. <laughs> what was your What was your first name? Adam. Yeah, I thought I heard that. Sorry, yes, I kind of have to hear. I have to hear the conversation through another speaker, not the one that's actually on my head. So sometimes I have a, I have a little bit of time difficulty hearing. Uh, not a problem. But uh, it's um, I've got to get a I've got to get a headphone with um. With a uh, uh, with one earphone, only one earphone on the headphone. Huh. Yeah, uh, because actually I'm not listening uh, to the show. I'm not listening to you uh, through my headphone. <laughs> believe it or not, I'm listening through you through a speaker. Oh, okay. And so the, and the feed on one. Yeah, right. that's right. And yeah, uh, okay. and sometimes sometimes people are talking to me, uh, you know, on a conversation, and when there's more people, it, it gets even a little bit more confusing. Well, hey, i got to say, you do you do a good job. I, I know it can't be the easiest thing to do coordinating the whole show like that, but I, it's I'm a, it's an honor to be on here for the hour or so that I'm going to be on here, and, uh, you know, it's a good, you're doing a great job. Yeah, you can stay on the whole whole time. And, uh, <laughs> what and, I can do about that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we, we'd love to have you on and, and um, you Absolutely. know, run our mouths. And uh, see what's going God, on. God, I love doing that. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's something most people enjoy doing. <laughs> I sure as hell do. You know, I, I live, I live for this radio show. I, I think it's great. And, it uh, is I, good. I, I think it's a great idea. It's, it's an awesome idea. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I meant was, so I don't sound like a you know an egomaniac. Is uh, <laughs> and not necessarily the job I do is great, but uh, you know, I just, I love, I love just. Um, uh, 
you know the whole production. I like thinking about you know what what songs I'm going to play and uh, you know what to talk about and and uh, and when someone, especially when someone is a guest like yourself or uh, something like that, I like I like hearing from them. You're you're up around Michigan, right? Absolutely, I'm about uh, 20 minutes out of Detroit, so uh, you know Livonia area is okay. probably the, the the easiest way for people to get a get a bearing on where I'm at. So yeah, about 20 minutes out of Detroit. Um, yep, work in Detroit every day in the uh, neighborhoods of Detroit, so I get a nice clean view of diversity and huh. the uh, <laughs> I guess the ultimate uh, of diversity and uh, what it turns into. So yeah, yeah, Detroit area. Um, do you live in the hood? No, I mean, no, do you work no, in the hood? Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I work on the west side. Um, the funny part about it is I work in uh, in neighborhoods where my parents grew up, you know, and uh, yeah, and, and as they are today, um, they're trash. Yeah. And my, you know, the, my my dad took me down to where he he lived. Uh, it, it showed me his house, and it's right in the same neighborhoods I work now. And you know, it was a nice place for him to grow up, uh, all white area, you know. And now it's just. Uh, basically, I fix up crack houses. <laughs> I, you know, you can buy a house in Detroit for for literally under twenty thousand dollars. Huh. And a lot of a lot of the real estate investors in Detroit make their living by buying houses in Detroit for under twenty grand. And you know, you put a ten or ten or fifteen grand into them, and they're worth, you know, fifty. <laughs> Sounds like a good business. Grand. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you can make you can make money at it, but you know, you basically are making money off of. Uh, Negroes doing what they do, TNB basically. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that's the reality of it. Or it is a money maker, but you're making money off of something which is. And kinda do you end up? Do you end up uh, selling it to Negroes again? Uh, unfortunately, yes. And yeah. Detroit's by, by <laughs> about eighty percent, eighty-five percent black. But uh, e- either you rent it or you sell it. You know, a lot of times it'll be rented out. And um, yeah, that that's how it goes. But yeah, usually it, it's Negroes buying <laughs> niggers. Niggers, yeah. Niggers are you know can get that financing for for a sixty five thousand dollar house pretty easy, and they think it's the nicest thing they've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, so, that's how it goes. But hey, you know, huh? It's it's money, and I do it, and I you know it's not the greatest job in the world, but you know, like I say, it gives me a good it gives me a good. Uh, it reaffirms my beliefs every day I go to work. Let's just so say that. <laughs> I, I, I'm down here about um, 800 miles south of you, and uh, the weather right now is, I'm, I hate to talk about something as mundane as the weather, but <laughs> the, the weather right here right now, today, is pretty mild. Is that, What's it like up there? Oh, today it was it was beautiful. Okay. Uh, we had we had we had about a, a week or two weeks. I know the Midwest had about two weeks of real nice weather. It was like sixty, almost sixty degrees out, and uh, then we had a few days of uh, snow and cold uh, rain and wind. But uh, it's back. It seems like today was today was probably about fifty five degrees. It was real nice today. Well, hey, um, well, something else on a, on a technical note here. Uh, so uh, the listeners here who, who might want to go out and buy a headphone, wh- wh- where'd you? Uh, I know you got a new headphone because the first time you called on this show about a month or two ago, we had a, we had a real bad problem with your mic, and so you yeah. went out and got a new. What, what kind did you buy? Uh, I got a I got a Logitech. Uh, it's a twenty. It was like twenty six ninety nine from Best Buy. Yeah, I think uh, that's what I got too. Yeah, it's it seems to be pretty nice. It was really easy to set up and everything like that. So uh, you know, don't go out. You know, I, I got a really nice pair of headphones. 
And the only re- reason I, I hadn't bought one yet was because I just love using my, my you know, Sennheisers that I have, which is, like, they're an awesome set of headphones. I just huh. couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't justify spending, an, 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 you know, an, another 80 bucks for a good pair of headphones with a mic on it, so I just decided to go out and get a, you know, a di- but, you know, the, the sound comes in good, and it's the, du- it's the dual, you know, you got the dual headphones, you got the dual phones on there, and it's not, it's not one of the ones that has the single on one side, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it seems like a nice little unit, yeah, the 2699 from Best Buy, and, uh, yeah, works great, so. Go out and get one, you know. It's it, it's only you know that's what you need to call in. Or, or well, let's do anything. let's jump into the um, into the fray here, Adam. And uh, uh, our first story tonight is um, is uh, uh, Bush top civilian award goes to niggers and Jews. And I'll run down uh, kind of the brief overview here and, right. and ju- jump in when you, anytime you want to make a comment. And then if you have a story of your own. Just uh, you know, hop in when you can too, and we sure. can mix them and match them uh, as we like. And uh, and so uh, you know, if something strikes your fancy and it's in the vein, just just go ahead and, and uh, <laughs> uh, go for it. Anyway, anyway, the uh, most of your most of the listeners, I think, this didn't get on the forum, and most of the listeners may have missed this one. But uh, Bush gave um, out uh, about ten medals of freedom, and this is a a yeah. civilian award. And I, I did a little research on it on Wikipedia, and this award was created in 1945. And yeah. and most of the people that have gotten this award, I must admit, are are you know rather mediocre types. They're 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 crowd pleasers, and they're film stars and song stars and ball players. And this is even true back in the 40s and 50s. There there are a few exceptions to this, uh, noteworthy exceptions. People like. Uh, T.S. Eliot and, and Samuel Eliot Morrison, uh, Eliot being the poet and, and Morrison being the historian. Actually, Pierce mentioned uh, a book by Samuel Eliot Morrison, but except for them, most are hacks and, and mediocres, mediocritites. Right. But, uh, you know, what's interesting, at least in the 60s and 70s, even in 80s, uh, they were our hacks and they were our uh, crowd pleasers, you know, people like um, Andy Griffith and... Um, and Johnny Carson. See Bob Hope on here too. Uh, you, oh, you saw that, yeah. Oh. Yeah, lot, lots of uh, people who can smile and things like that, and and um, yeah, actors and ball players and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, right. So we we can use this as a as a barometer, I guess, to to look at things. And um, uh, the ones he gave out just this week. Uh, predominantly, what a, what a joker those are, eh? I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to list them, but I've got a little list of the the non-whites on here. Oh, go um, ahead. B.B. Uh, King. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> who, uh, isn't he? You know, his he had his heyday 30 years ago or some 40 years ago, something like that. A nigger guitar player. Right. I don't know why he's get. I don't know why he's getting a Medal of Freedom in 2006. Uh, some nigger named James. Buck O'Neill, I like to call him James Nigger Buck O'Neill. I guess he was a, a, yeah, he, base, a baseball player. He was a baseball player in the Negro Leagues. Right, right. Um, Norman Francis. You know, I never did know what he did. What, what did he do? Uh, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't pay too much attention to it. Uh, he was a, uh, oh, some sort of an organizer for some civil rights uh, or something like that. Um, he was probably a communist. Yeah, more than likely, he, he was a, he was one of those high yellow Negroes who. who, who was yeah, I black. think I saw his picture. He was very yeah, high yeah, yellow. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, okay, so there's Josh Letterberger, who's a Jew, obviously. Yeah. Uh, who's a who's a journalist. Um, and then there's uh, Norman Mineta, who uh, looked to be a a, a, a a Asian, looked to be a gook of some sort. Oh yeah, he's up here. He's a uh, is he Minnesota? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. No, no, he's not Minnesota. He's uh, California. Sorry. <laughs> there is some. Yeah. Um, there's some. Um, you got an Arab up there that was your governor or senator for a while, right? Uh, a- a- was it Abrams? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yep. Yep. Abrams. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, I wonder just to digress here. Uh, this guy uh, Bush tried to get him appointed for something and it failed. But um, this guy Abrams, how did he get elected? Is he a Muslim? Uh, you know, I'm not okay. too sure on him. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think he. I don't think he was. Uh, okay. Yeah, he, I don't have. I'm not too. He sure. He may have been like an an Arab Christian, but you know, it's possible right. with a your Chaldean or something. A Chaldean, yeah. Right. With your uh, huge uh, population of Muslims up there, they might have pushed him into office. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a big it's a big faction. Um, it's just not they don't have a whole lot of political power yet. The Muslims oh. here in Michigan, uh, they do. I mean, they have a. What you're seeing a lot more is these these centers for Muslim, uh, you know, Muslim centers and whatnot are going up all over the place. Is that uh, right? But, yeah, but they don't have a whole lot of political power yet. They're working towards it, though. The problem is you gotta you gotta realize that they're, they're you know they're Muslims trying to break into a, a, basically a Jewish political system. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's like you know it, yeah there's a lot of them, but they're not going to get the votes you know in general in in anywhere but but Dearborn and and I, I remember last time you had uh, the last show you had Yankee Jim on and uh, uh, that was um, Mitch Bubba. Yeah, and they were talking about um, Detroit and and why the the blacks you know flock to Michigan and flock to Detroit or at least are here, you know judge you know even with the cold weather that we have here and the, and the winters we have here and they were right when they said that you know they control their neighborhoods they've kicked all the white people out and they have and they basically huh. uh, have have you know free free reign of their territory and same with the same with the Muslims and the Arabs in Dearborn you know. And and they they enjoy having that that one spot, and so that's why there's so many of them there. And uh, they don't, I don't, they they do try to branch out. I know, from, for example, my uh, my uncle lives in West Bloomfield, which is has a huge Jewish population here, and that's about 40 minutes north of Detroit. Uh, and there's a large Jewish population in West Bloomfield here. A lot of the Jews from Southfield, which is right out of Detroit, but a lot of the Jews when the niggers started moving into Southfield, came into West Bloomfield. And I just noticed when I was up there for Thanksgiving that they have a Muslim center up there, too. Uh. So they are trying to branch out. It's just they're having a hard time. I think they're having a hard time breaking into politics in a lot of ways uh, for the reasons that I stated. Yeah, they're, anyway, probably, they're probably meeting resistance, like you said, from the Jews. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, they're part of a, fundam- you know, a fundamentally uh, radical uh, religion, as the, as the media likes to portray them, as if the Jews aren't, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's how, they, that's how they're portrayed. So I think it's a little bit tough for them to break into politics. Mm. Um, but anyway, back to this Medal of Freedom thing. Yeah. I think one thing that I thought was really funny about it was that there's something like 14... Uh, of our past presidents who were given the Medal of Freedom by the current presidents. Yeah, uh, George Bush gave it to Ronald Reagan. You know, it's just it's just a stupid it's just a stupid award. That's 
it's really silly. It I is. Mean, it's, it's 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 pointless. I mean, I I I was uh, doing a little research on it, and I came across in one of the books that I have in my personal collection a, a medal which was kind of similar to it, which which Hitler gave out during the the third. Yeah, Reich. you know, I noticed that too. And uh, he gave it. You know, I I there was actually a picture of him awarding it to a couple of people, and it was uh, he was giving it to like a chemist and a, and a physicist or a, something like that. It wasn't to to a you know, a, a baseball player and a fucking guitar mm-hmm. player, a blues guitar player, jazz guitar player, that whatever the fuck he is, blues or something like that. Uh, yeah. Well, so it's it's just a, it's just this, you know. It's just I, a you know, there there. What's interesting is it was created in '45, and there's always been a trickle of Jews being given this award, even from its inception. But you know, you know what I notice is when I, I kind of graphed it, uh, put it in an Excel spreadsheet, and and sure enough. You know, as as time went on, you know, more and more Jews started appearing on that list, and of course, the same thing with niggers. I mean, niggers didn't really get on the list until the the 80s, right? And uh, and and so they were they were not representative. But you know, like I said, we can use this as a barometer, and yeah, and and what we see here is that uh, you know, uh, when something like like the president, for instance isn't putting people like Ted Williams, you know, a ball player. Uh, he, when, when people like him, uh, you know, really uh, really a great talent, by the way, uh, but he's a ball player, right? And uh, when, when they're not getting it and people like uh, uh, Buck O'Neill and B.B. King are getting it, you know, that's telling you that our, our culture is being, you know, uh, from the very top, uh, is being directed and, and is being... Uh, 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 taken over by niggers and parasitical Jews, and and they're being rewarded for it, and they're being recognized for it, and this gives uh, this gives other organs and of power and other institutions the uh, the legitimacy they need to continue uh, plowing under uh, white yeah, culture. Right, exactly. Oh, if the president's giving it to them, well, they must be important. You know? Yeah. It's like, no, it's you know, it's the farthest thing from the truth. You got to be kidding me. Um, for uh, I think if the the website I'm on is medalofreedom.com, okay, which anybody can go to. It's like I would say about uh, three quarters of the way down the page, you'll see uh, a picture of some uh, really old uh, neg- negress. I really hate to be uh, uh, derogatory to uh, old, even old negroes, but uh, uh-huh. this this one's particularly freaky looking. Um, her name is Doctor Dor. Dorothy Irene Height, and she was awarded the Congressional Medal in a ceremony honoring her lifetime achievements in the United States Capitol Rotunda. Huh. So it doesn't doesn't say what she did, um, but it, it kind of almost sounds like she was. You know, she she it says doctor here. Um, they have a link which doesn't work, but it. You know, it's like what did well, what did what did she actually do that 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 I should care about? Or, you know, affected my life in any any specific way? And most of these people are just you know. It's just, uh, I think Clinton gave out like 80 of these Medal of Freedoms. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and to be honest, it's like, uh, you know, if, if if George Bush offered me a medal, I would I would uh, respectfully decline, or maybe not respectfully. Uh, how how honor honorsome you know is is it to get honored by George Bush really? <laughs> yeah, or Bill Clinton, <laughs> or Bill Clinton, or any of our you know past 40 years. These two men have done enormous enormous damage to the country. 
Oh yeah. Okay. God, yeah. And I think I think the Medal of Freedom, the recipients who, that they're giving the Medal of Freedom out to, uh, really <laughs> personify that. You know. <laughs> well, you know what's also interesting about this list is that there were only two white males on it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, you know, one there's oh, there's ten people given out. I got uh, five here. At least five that I know of were, were non-whites. I could I couldn't confirm the rest of them. Okay, here's here's what I did. I, I did uh, three Jews: uh, okay. J- Joshua Letterberg, William Sapphire, oh, and, okay. He was and, and yeah, Nathan Sharonsky. Really? Okay. Yeah, and uh, oh, yeah. Sh- Sharonsky is a particularly ob- ob- obnoxious Jew. He's over yes, there sir. in the uh, he's over there in the uh, uh, Knesset over there in in this horribly right wing party over there. Yeah. And right wing means something very different than it does here. And um, uh, we got three niggers. Uh, Norman C. Francis, B.B. King, uh, John Buck O'Neill, and we got one Japanese, uh, Norman Mineta, and then we have uh, three whites, a, a, ri- a white woman named uh, Colvin, and then uh, a white historian, mm-hmm. a good historian, actually. Uh, two good historians, white historians. Uh, you know, like I said, they're crowd pleasers, so, but they're, pr- they're pretty good. Uh, Paul Johnson and David McCullough. Yeah. And, and actually, McCullough is adopted, so we don't really know his background, but he looks he looks pretty Irish to me, actually. Well, I mean, at least they're in an academic field, you know. Yeah. Uh, something that actually, <laughs> I mean, the study of history, while it, it, some may find it, you know, stu- silly or, or uh, not relevant. I mean, at least it's an academic field, whereas pa- playing baseball is something which is just, I don't know. Yeah, you know, a ball player. I mean, today with sports the way they are, uh, you know, it's... It's nigger ball. It's no longer sports. <laughs> I mean, it's no longer. Uh, it's just um, elbowing and pushing and shoving and and did grunting. You say, did you say Noam Chomsky was on the list? No, I did not say Noam Chomsky. Oh, okay. It was um, uh, Nathan Nathan Sharansky. Oh, Nathan Sharansky. Okay. Or Sharansky. I didn't uh, see. I didn't and uh, and so uh, yeah, he's he's oh, the one. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He's the one that's particularly obnoxious. Yes, sir. Yeah, I remember his name. Yeah, anyone anyone familiar with what he did? He got his little greasy book on democracy uh, uh, got into uh, uh, the president's hands right before the second inaugural. And well, I, I did a broadcast on that. He's he's particularly obnoxious. But we could we you know what's even worse than uh, what's even worse than than Bush giving these uh, rewar- awards out to. Uh, Japanese, or nah, he's he's an American citizen. He's a Kwan, uh, to, or to Jews or niggers or whatever. Is when that they in turn uh, rise to power, these uh, aliens, uh, and then start influencing our system directly. And uh, some listeners will uh, know that the Patriot Act, w- uh, which nullified uh, parts of the Constitution uh, and other acts of Congress, was basically written by a a Vietnamese gook, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. His name's yeah. Viet Dinh. And did you know that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I have a, f- a couple of friends who tried to actually read through the entire Patriot Act uh, just to see if they could and see if they could actually just determine what exactly their rights were at this point. And they went through. You know, it, uh, the Patriot Act is something like I think they said it was something like a hundred pages long. Um, yeah, just yeah. legalese, you know, and and they tried to go through it, and it was just they 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 gave up, you know. It, 
So good good luck trying to figure out your, what your rights are in America. You don't have habeas corpus anymore. You don't have, uh, you know, you have things like the, the Patriot Act and the Patriot Act II. I mean, you know, <laughs> what are your rights anymore, as, especially as a white male? And you have... You have virtually none. You know, well, if you're in if you're in jail under the Patriot Act or you're you know, without habeas corpus, you have absolutely no rights anymore. Ha, you know, uh, here's what your rights are. Uh, take a little American flag and wave it. Right. That, that's that's right. what <laughs> and say <laughs> and vote <laughs> and vote Republican. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what your rights are. You have the right to watch T V, uh-huh. uh, you know, drive to work and pay your taxes and wave your flag out the window. You do anything. You do anything that doesn't include that, and you're you're probably an extremist, you know. <laughs> and as William Pierce said, what well, you have the choice between uh, pink her- hair color uh, hair curlers and blue hair curlers. Right. <laughs> That's what your choices are. Uh, but anyway, I first noticed this um, this Viet Den guy when he made the rounds on television, and he was basically selling the Patriot Act to the to Americans, most of whom were white and. And I'm not, I'm not sure about, about you, Adam, but when I see an Asiatic uh, on television telling us what is in accord with our traditions and our customs and our political history, I get infuriated. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, just the fact that our, our, our president is giving the Medal of Freedom to, an, to a, a foreign national... Uh, you know, like Sharansky, who probably has dual citizenship. Yeah. Uh, where you know, it's it's the United States Medal of Freedom, and our our our, our president's giving it to someone who doesn't even reside in this country. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a travesty. And yeah, I mean, they're constantly telling us how we should act and how we you know Jews are constantly telling us how, how we should act and how we should uh, adapt to their. Their theory, you know, and I don't necessarily know if it was actually the Gook uh, who created the Patriot Act. Oh, he was a major author of it. Was he? But yeah, I, you know, you know, but I, I, I'm sure there were there were high up high up Jews who who gave him the infrastructure and the support. That he oh, sure. Sell it and just just like you know, there's always they always have a figurehead out there. Yeah, and uh, so. And, yeah. and well, yeah. an, you know, another one Adam has popped up. And this this is a, a another Vietnamese. Uh, he is uh, his name is Todd Kim. I believe he's Vietnamese. He may be Korean, but uh, I couldn't quite verify. Uh, but now this one this one is now a um, he's interpreting the Second Amendment. Yes. Bef- yep, yep. Yeah. Before the U.S. appellate courts as uh, the Solicitor General for the District of Columbia, and in this case that he's arguing uh, in the appellate courts which will likely reach the Supreme Court, uh, this guy says, quote, uh, here he is, uh, quote, the Second Amendment right to bear arms applies only to militias and not individuals. And further, he states, we interpret the Second Amendment, uh, that he means the District of Columbia in this case, but he's, he's, he's uh, uh, representing it, we interpret the, the Second Amendment in, in military terms and that the city would have uh, also have the right to ban all weapons, and so here we are with an with another in this case Asiatic, uh, uh, defining for us uh, our political documents, our political history. Not not you know uh, this is this is a real crime. Well, I mean mi- militias are already outlawed. So what they're saying is uh, what what they're basically saying is we need to outlaw guns because uh, we've already outlawed. The, the militia, the armed militia, 
which is they haven't necessarily outlawed that in, in those terms, but they've outlawed uh, paramilitary paramilitary type groups. Um, so what they're saying is, well, we've already outlawed these, so we need to outlaw guns as well because this is a law which doesn't apply anymore, which is is, <laughs> is basically that they're fighting for uh, banning of weapons. Um, the f I think the funniest thing about this is the people who fight for gun control and, and the outright banning of any guns held by private civilians are usually uh, low testosterone type uh, liberal whiners mm -hmm. and Jews who, who, you know, like this guy, I, I did some research on him real quick. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously he's an Asian, so they tend to have lower testosterone. Uh, he's a choir boy. Uh, oh, he's no. He's a violinist. And this guy's arguing for uh, having this guy in any any discussions of guns is is a joke because I guarantee you he has never picked one up, I guarantee you he's never fired one, uh, even at a target. Uh, I guarantee you he, he's probably never even come come near one, and I guarantee you probably no one in his family even owns them. So what the hell does he know about it? And uh, you know, in general, I think I think Ted Nugent said it, but. Uh, uh, Another great Michigander. <laughs> I don't know if he's great or not. You say but, Michigander uh, or Michigander? Uh, Michigander now. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Ted Nugent said, it, you know, if you have a penis and you don't like shooting a gun, there's definitely something wrong with you. Uh, so, you know, yeah, women women get behind this uh, gun grabbing stuff a lot too. Oh, absolutely, and that, that's what I'm. That's like kind of it's kind of a feminine, uh, female female issue, you know. It, it's it's I don't know I don't even know what to say about it it's it's almost a tired issue at this point um, they've been trying to do this stuff for for years and it it's hard for it to go through I mean but they basically what they've already put in uh, it's kind of an issue close to my heart but it they they've already instituted so many forms of gun control in this country I mean the, just the fact that you have yeah. to fill out a piece of paper to buy a weapon from a from a gun dealer and put your name on it and put your social security number on it and have a background check where they have to call the government and have them check on you to do it is i think ridiculous and the fact that, and the fact that you know they make it almost impossible to own an automatic weapon um basically what they did what they're doing is taking your your right away uh, your right of defense against a tyrannical government away and that turns you into basically a, a slave if you don't have that you're a slave. If you can't fight back against the government, you're a slave, and that's what the Second Amendment, Second Amendment was all about. And apparently, this gook doesn't understand that, doesn't care. Uh, he's looking at his his political career, and uh, figures that's a good way to further himself and further his his career. Uh, he really doesn't give a shit about white white Americans no. and their rights. He doesn't. He doesn't give a he doesn't give a shit about you, white man. He doesn't care at all. And and in fact, you know, these people. This is what. The people who who fail to understand uh, the biological basis for politics, and these people uh, in Vietnam or whatever, they've they've evolved in a in a in a centralized uh, uh, authoritarian system for for ages, and this is also true for for China, uh, and they don't uh, we, we can't expect them. If you think logically about them, we can't expect them to come over here. Uh, even, you know, on many levels, we can't expect them to come over here and adapt to a system of decentralized freedom, uh, such such as a we even weakly exists in this country anymore. You yeah, know, we have these little vestiges of it, 
and and when you you know when you bring people over here that are, come from authoritarian backgrounds, or when you br- when you bring people over here that come from the other end of the spectrum that are used to living in a state of anarchy, like niggers. Uh, uh, that are right. you know, yeah, and you know occasionally niggers will find some sense of order, but the way they find order is through extreme, uh, you know, uh, centralization of power into one kind of tribal chieftain, and uh, and yeah. you know th- that's something we don't want either, and uh, and and so you know we're getting it now from from both spectrums. We're getting it from, you know, the Asians have some cultural accomplishments that are worth noting, uh, but. It usually rests. Oh, quite a few, yes. Yeah, it usually rests, you know, in these sort of um, highly centralized, uh, uh, despotic sort of rulers, and then on the other, Oriental despotism uh, was what Whitfogel called it, and then on the other end, uh, you know, you have this sort of anarchic uh, uh, systems of Africa, and we're, we're getting punched from both sides. On the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean. Uh, <laughs> You're absolutely right about that. I mean, there's two two separate. You you go to if you if you go to you know Western Asia or China or Japan, there, there's virtually no crime in those countries. Uh, they live like you said in a authoritarian. Uh, not so much in Japan, mm-hmm. but uh, like I said in Japan, you know you can sleep in the park, you know anywhere in Japan at night, and 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 there's you know hardly any crime there, and they're they're in general like I said they're low testosterone uh, people who who don't commit crime and tend to stay in the boundaries of the law and they're a lot closer to whites than negroes are in that regard so of course they're going to come over here and 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 argue against you know the right to bear arms and the right to uh defend yourself against a tyrannical government because they don't have those those uh those theories built into their their dna or their genetics like we do you know, maybe the maybe the gook is right though, and and we've got here several stories here, Adam, uh, where uh, vets uh, are coming back to the qua, and and they're committing, uh, and some of these are, are whites, which is interesting, but um, uh, are committing uh, crimes, violent crimes, uh, and in one case here uh, from uh, uh, this is uh, Washington State. The uh, a ranger, an army ranger. Now, isn't that interesting? Tim McVeigh was a ranger, by the way, if I recall. Ah, interesting. I recall. I think he was a ranger. Um, uh, maybe wrong. I can't he, recall. He, he might have applied to be a ranger, but anyway, this guy came back, and like McVeigh, uh, apparently, uh, started holding up uh, banks in Tacoma, Washington, and uh, and and he got caught. Yeah. And uh, he, from what I can see here, he fled to Canada. Is that right? Oh, so yeah, yeah, yep. and th- and so he they want the U.S. is trying to extradite him, uh, and uh, what he's doing is he's saying, hey, look, uh, I, I I'm I'm going to put the U.S. government on trial, and uh, and he's using his notoriety uh, to reveal what he characterizes as uh, systematic war co- crimes, uh, rape, homicides, and political assassinations committed by American forces in Iraq and Afghanistan. We got SPC. I'm not sure what that stands for. Specialist, Specialist Elliot yeah. Summer is allegedly involved in a four, four. Oh, good. That's right. A four-member uh, Ranger crew from Fort Lewis. Uh, so apparently there are other Rangers that were involved in in robbing mm-hmm. banks, and uh, and so uh, uh, involved in armed robberies of a Bank of America 
Now, I have no love for Bank of America, by the way. And so, <laughs> so hey, uh, well, let me see if I can. Fi- yeah, here, let me see if I can find the applause here. Uh, I have an applause uh, clip here. Let me see. Uh, where is? Uh, uh, here it is. I'll play the applause. Yeah, he's playing. Anyway, I, I'm just being serious. I do not advocate violence, and no. uh, it's just kind of tongue in cheek. Anyway, um, uh, I believe in in uh, in peace through demo- uh, change to the democratic process, right? Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> anyway, don't uh, we all. yeah, don't we all? Everyone at VNN does. I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what to think about this story. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. Uh, a guy robs a bunch of banks, uh, gets caught for it, and decides he's going to rat on America as a whole. Yeah, it's kind of really funny, actually. You know, he, he's kind of trying to stick it to the man in a way, which I think is kind of interesting. The guy's a white guy, so... Yeah. Um, I, I Like I said, I don't really know how to think about it. There, there's been so many of... I think one of the, the best ones that came out was that, that nigger that came uh, that uh, did an interview or something like that, and I know you had it playing on your show a couple times. The uh, Maybe it was on Goyfire, I don't remember, but you had the clip playing, and... I, I see sound. Maybe he was from the south. I'm not sure. Now but that nigger, I know who you're talking okay, about. Yeah. That nigger turned out to be phony. Okay. And uh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. And some of the shit just sounded. Ridiculous. Well, let's just say, let's just say that here, here, here's what it is. Uh, here, here's what it is. That nigger, I forgot his name. You can dig it out of the. Someone can dig it out of the thread. But he, um, there. Here's here's what it is. There's no record of him ever being in the military. <laughs> okay. And so and so that's why people have really hit him hard as being a phony. Right. right. But well, of course I'm, yeah. I'm, of course he has a conspiracy uh story for that one too. But yeah. uh, you know, I'm it's not like this stuff doesn't happen. Uh, oh yeah. War as hell and uh you know, people complain about United States, you know, things at Abu Ghraib and whatnot, and I I really can't I can't necessarily I mean war war is a you know, a shitty a shitty thing for any any group of people to go through, whether it's the country that's at war, or uh, you know, Jews in concentration camps, or Korea Koreans, or uh, Japs in concentration camps, you know, or you know, the country who's fighting on the opposite side of the war. It, it sucks for everybody, and uh, uh, I think a lot of this stuff's just propaganda. Um, you know, but you know, we everybody. It's funny because. The you know the Bible bangers and the and the kosher conservatives hate to hear this type of thing, you know the United States never do nothing like that you know we never we never we never torture nobody or put a bag over their head or hit them with a hose or nothing like that, um, which is just complete bullshit and I it was funny because I used to, I worked with a girl who went into the military to become a they're trying to recruit these women to become uh, they are uh, interrogators. To interrogate the Muslim, uh, you know, oh. going to be fighting, and they're they're recruiting them left and right because it's apparently an advantage to be for these uh, for women to interrogate, you know, a Muslim who who has these ideas about you know females and males, and it, it's I don't know I don't know exactly I haven't looked into it too much, but apparently, uh, and I don't know what they're doing if they're you know. Interviewing them naked, or you know, acting sexually uh, provocative towards these guys to get them to talk, but there, there is certainly that type of thing that goes on. And uh, obviously, Israel's highly involved with our 
interrogation. Yeah, they are. Yeah, so, yeah, there's not these, these things do happen, and uh, I'm sure this guy, the things he saw in Iraq were pro- probably true. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe some of them weren't, but, um, you know, you know, look, the guy, the guy robbed a bunch of banks and he's using it to try and, try and lessen the blow on him, uh, which is kind of funny to me, but, you know, I think that's basically You think he's making up the part about, uh, or do you, I mean, um, I mean, I don't think he's making up yeah. anything. Uh, uh, you know, he's prob- it probably all happened. I'm sure these guys have yeah. seen. I'm sure you know every 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 soldier that comes back from war has horror stories of what what every side has done. Just most of them don't tell uh, tell what they've seen. Uh, you know, for for reasons, of course. You know, maybe they were involved in it, or mm-hmm. they just don't want to have that. They don't want to forget it, or they want to you know just distance themselves from it. Well you know the and, the uh, the coming back is is kind of the part I'm interested in also. Right. And uh 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 you know uh, I'm I'm not the only one uh, to to comment that uh how old are you? I'm uh 24. Oh well I'm 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 less than double your age but I I can yeah, remember right. you know I can remember the tail end of Vietnam. And I, I was very young then, but I can remember the tail end of Vietnam and 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 the and the middle and early 70s even. And there was a lot of um, in this country, there was a lot of disillusionment after Vietnam, and and uh, there was a lot of um, well, actually, I think it was more sensational violence uh, that happened than than real hardcore violence that happened in in this country. Uh, we had a lot of bank robberies. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we had bombings. Yeah, we had bombings and kidnappings, uh, and a lot of them. There, I don't. I wouldn't consider it to be epidemic or even pandemic. No. Uh, yeah. But it happened. Uh, you know, I was thinking today of the um, uh, of uh, the Tate murders that happened about that time, and the uh, the Weathermen. They were bombers, and of course the Hearst kidnapping uh, that happened uh, kind of in the wake of, of Vietnam. And, and you know, the interesting thing about this this most of this violence. Was uh, was uh, red violence or, or, or left wing violence, and you know it was kind of condoned or you know yeah, it, yeah. It, it, at least ignored. It, maybe we could call it kosher violence, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know because you know it was kind of it was kind of treated as in, as fashionable, uh, but you know this time right, it was more of a story rather yeah. than a travesty. It was more of a, a, a you know a movie uh, you know uh, script than. Uh, Something like terrorism, which is what they make it out today. Yeah, exactly. And it was help. It was helping to knock out the legs from the from the white power structure. And yeah, you know, yeah it was. Yeah, it was discrediting the white system. And so, you know, uh, the that's why it was kosher. That was portrayed as right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but you know, th- this time though, uh, Adam, it, it, we just don't know what's going to happen, but. We we've got a tangle in this country of uh, language and racial problems, and and uh, you know we're we're getting our ass kicked in Vietnam bad, and and uh, depending on not in Vietnam but in, in Iraq, Iraq it just we just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and and you know it's not going to stop anytime soon. And what it basically and basically what it is is is, is a perpetual war and. It's not a new new Vietnam because Vietnam had a specific uh, Vietnam was going to end mm-hmm. and it was against yeah. it was you know it was it was a war against communism but it was also a war against a specific country good point and and now we have a war on terror 
which is akin to a war on drugs, which means uh, perpetual war. Because it can morph into it, anything. Yes, it can morph into it can morph into a war on anyone and anything at any time because it's not a war against a country; it's a war against a thing, or even and, a and, people necessarily. Yeah, or or a people, and uh, so you know, yeah, there's going to be. There's going to be a lot of of, of atrocities and, and, and stories coming back from from our war, and and it's never, you know, it's been like that for for the whole of time, and it's never going to stop. And so, yeah, I don't know. This guy, this guy's trying to trying to put the you know United States on trial here, and you know, maybe maybe I hope I, I wish him all the best. You know, I, ho- I hope he <laughs> I hope he gets off. You know, I I can only. It doesn't sound like he hurt anybody or did anything uh, too bad. Stole some money, big frickin' deal, you know. And uh, so I hope he, I hope he gets off. I hope he, do, you know, goes on and, and to to do bigger and better things. <laughs> Just to put it at that, I guess. So you know, I, I do, I do want to uh, uh, read in this vein. Read from a, uh, an essay that came out here. Um, uh, it's by William Lind, and it has to do with. Uh, with what's going on and and, and that's a and, good article. And, and, yeah, it is. This guy, uh, this William Lenz, he's a um, he's a major, retired major, I believe, and, and Marine Corps major, uh, and he's a, a military historian, and he has a lot of uh, a classical training, and uh, and I read it. His articles usually end up on um, uh, Lou, Lou Rockwell, and uh, let me see if I can find this. Here it is. The essay begins like this, quote, and I'll read a few paragraphs because um, I'm not sure, I don't know how, I don't think very many people have read this, so I don't think I'm boring them, but, okay, here we go. Last week, one of my students, a Marine captain, asked whether I had heard the news reports about, and I didn't know this either, uh, quote, an IED-like device supposedly found near Cincinnati, and, uh, and if I had thought we would soon start seeing IEDs here in the U.S., I replied that I had not heard the news story. But as to whether we would see IEDs here at home, the answer is an emphatic yes. One of the things the U.S. troops are learning in Iraq is how people with little training and few resources can fight a state. Most American troops see this within the framework of counterinsurgency, but a minority will apply their newfound knowledge in a very different way. After they return to the U.S. and leave the military, they will take up what they learned in Iraq back to the inner cities to the ethnic groups, gangs, and other alternate alternate loyalties they have left when they join the service. There, they will put their new knowledge to work in wars with each other and wars against the American state. It will not be long before we see police squad cars getting hit with IEDs and other techniques employed by Iraqi insurgents right here in the streets of American cities. Yeah. This yeah. is not a white nationalist that said that. No, no, he, but he's right, and he's totally right about that. I think, I, I, you know, he's basically what he's talking about is the fact that we have all these, uh, you know, thirty or forty or so different nationalities in this melting pot of of what we call, you know, America, and uh, they have allegiances towards uh, things other than America, and and they're going to use, like he says, yeah, you know, you got the MS-13 gang. Uh, which is big in the military. Uh, you got, uh, you know, all these, of course, all these black gangs. You've got these uh, weird mixed race gangs. I know in Detroit there's a big, a gang called. Um, in general, their name is uh, Folk Nation, but they have different names. Huh. Uh, I I know there's one. Uh, in the military, it's, it has a big presence called like the Gangster Disciple Nation, yeah, or something like that. Uh, and 
you know, th- they tend to be a mixed race gang, which is kind of it, it's kind of interesting. But in general, they're they're Negroes, and and uh, you know, yeah. So they're going to come back and use, of course, use all this stuff to wage gang warfare, because uh, not only do we have a war in Iraq, we also have a you know, the, the, they love to say on Fox News, the culture war. The culture war, yeah. It's really a race war, and uh, you know, they won't say that on Fox News, but that's what it is, and so. Of course, they're gonna they're gonna come back and use that stuff to rage, you know, wage their race war or culture war, or whatever you want to call it in America. Well, you know what's what's interesting is I I I, I like others on this forum have a, a very low opinion of what's what's of whites right now as as you know I see them as people white white Americans as people who are are caught up in materialism and and uh, uh, and all all sort of very destructive habits and. I know there's a minority that are not, but including ourselves listening tonight and on uh, many of on VNM forum. But uh, I think that you know, as, as this guy does as well, is that uh, a lot of this violence will first begin not with whites. Uh, although I was uh, surprised to see a white man and probably his white friends in uh, Rangers robbing banks, which is very interesting. But uh, a lot of this stuff is is going to be uh, perpetrated by niggers and reconquistas and and other people. They're going to and you know that may be a catalyst for the white population to wake up. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, what, what, whites are going to do what they've always done and move away. Uh, you're going to start seeing a lot more violence between spics and niggers in California mm-hmm. and Texas and Arizona, and uh, the white population will obviously get caught up in the middle like it always does because we're so so goddamn scared to be politically incorrect. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. That's what I'm staking my whole hopes on for this country. If it doesn't come out of that, if the white people don't wake up after those circumstances hit, I I give up, <laughs> frankly, mm-hmm. <laughs> on this country at least, you know. I don't know I don't know what it's going to take, but uh yeah, I mean and and things like IEDs and and these other types of things are pretty easy to put together apparently. And pretty hard to trace, you know, back to whoever did them, especially if they start happening on a large scale. So, uh, I, yeah, it's going to start happening. And, uh, frankly, I can't wait for the day when it does, because like you said, I hope it I hope it awakes the white population. In. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen this country, and, and it, I've seen this country, and I'm not the oldest one here, just year after year after year slide. And I, I'm just sick of it. And and I was not always a white nationalist, and even even when I wasn't a white nationalist, I I could see it, and uh, and and you know for for some parts of my life I participated in it. Uh, I I got you know I was not. Um, I mean when I say I participated in in the slide, I mean I was out there drinking and listening to music and and acting like a jackass, uh, and you know and not being serious, and uh, and. Uh, 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 you know, whatever dry, you know, whatever I was doing, I was it was it was not furthering the interests of my race, and uh, and you know, I, I'm just sick of seeing this slide, and and uh, and you know, it's so nice uh, for me to see someone who's about your age uh, 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 being racially aware, because I was not when I was 24, even right. though my father hated niggers and didn't particularly care much for Jews, uh, and um, you know, and, and let let all his kids know it. Uh, you know, I yeah. still I I still went off I fell off the wagon for a while. Not that I was a nigger lover or anything, but 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, it comes from uh, this country, uh, our generation. I think probably your generation is the first generation where we've, where this country has kind of perpetuated this constant immaturity and constant yeah. childlike phase that we go through where we're obsessed with uh, buying things and yeah. shiny, shiny things and electronic gadgets and things like that. And I think... You know, your generation, which was my parents' generation, basically, huh. uh, is the kind of one of the first to... Because I, I look at my grandparents, for example, and I don't see in them the type of things which I see in my parents, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are not good things. And, and the kind of um, naivety, naivete, if you will, or uh, kind of... Like I said, that it's not necessarily an immaturity, but it's... it's uh, it's kind of a lifestyle of living for the moment or living for the things that we that we consider to be life you know even mm-hmm. if it's just even if it's a house or a, a you know our house or kind of our lifestyle uh we live we live for things which uh kind of are just we we stay in this immature phase and you know yeah Sometimes and you're you're supposed to break out of that phase when you're <laughs> a young a young person. You know, you do your selfish thing and you break out of it and you learn. But uh, and and thank thankfully I did uh-huh. at some point and I realized that hey, there's something else out there besides you know twenty inch rims and you know the loudest sound system and yeah uh, yeah boom boxes exactly and uh, well, you know so we used to have yeah. a you mentioned that you know you mentioned uh, see now my parents. They, they they were born in the 20s, and uh, and so uh, I came along quite late for them, uh, and so I kind of my parents kind of skipped a generation a little bit, and then for for me and 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 so I guess yeah I guess I would be your your parents' generation, and so that's maybe the reason why I eventually became a racialist because of my parents, and because they were because my sister who my sister who is uh, and brothers who who are uh, it, they're they're in their fifties and sixties. Uh, they're they're very much like what you say. They're they're very raceless, and um, right. uh, we also have a uh, uh, a lady that used to call her young girl. Who used to call her uh, Lita. Yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know what's happened to her, but she she would tell me that her parents are also uh, in this sort of uh, you know uh, being oblivious to race and. And uh, race doesn't matter, and so forth. And it's very interesting. She's a sixteen, seventeen-year-old girl, and and somehow she stumbled upon it too. So, right. well, uh, you know, it's. I guess once you get into it, um, my parents spent their entire lives running from it, and it's getting harder and harder to run from it. I was kind of thrown into it uh, in college, and you know, obviously, I worked in Detroit. I worked with a lot of blacks living in Metro Detroit. You come and do, <laughs> yeah. you come and do extreme. Uh, close quarters with these niggers and so y- you kind of you have to make your way but you also have to kind of realize w- what th- realize that there's some sort of a difference and that's kind of the cool thing about living in like near Detroit is most of the people that I meet realize that there's a difference between whites and blacks I mean it's just such a a, a line there's such a line a d- divide there you know and it which is kind of a cool thing but at the same time it kind of makes me mad because they, while they realize there's a difference, they they're too scared to do anything about it. Yeah, too, most people too, are too, too scared to say. Um, but the funny thing about my my folks is is that uh, my my grandfather was a Detroit firefighter for about forty years, and he 
he experienced Negroes firsthand. You know, he got shot at during the riots in Detroit. Wow. And, uh, and wow, uh, that's 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 awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, I hate to say it like that, but you know, yeah, yeah. Wow, well, wow. He, he survived, so yeah. all right. So yeah, so it is pretty cool um, that he got that experience. And he tells me some great stories about, uh, you know, uh, the differences between blacks and whites. Even though he accepted them as his, you know, comrades in the fire department, yeah, he, he knew. As as all the old, the old folks did back then, that there were differences, and that it's it, that, that's impossible for us to live live in the in this in the same society and operate in the same way. So he knows that. So my parents kind of grew up in that hippie generation, and unfortunately, you know, after they grew out of that, they're in, and then they, and then they went into their Christian phase, you know, mm-hmm. which 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 further uh, disallowed them from believing in anything racial at all. But. Uh, you know, once I started realizing and reading and opening my eyes and I started telling them about it, they fully agree with everything I have to say at this point, uh, which is a cool thing. Uh, and I really, wow. I really I, I, you know, but I, they, you know, they go on with their, their lives and they, sure. they, they kind of, they don't, they don't do anything. So I really commend you for actually doing something. Um, not that you're an old fogey or anything, and no. you don't have anything else to live for, but uh, I think it takes a lot for, for somebody who, who is, you know, I, I don't want to say middle aged, but yeah. hell, I'll say it anyway. No, I have to, to actually. You know, I have to fight there. to keep myself fit now. Right, and that's what you find <laughs> out when you're in your forties. Uh, I don't have that problem yet. But. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to fight to keep yourself fit, and and I I am I am doing everything I can to keep myself fit because uh, I don't if if something should happen like like what Lind is talking about here, William S. Lind yeah. in that article. Yeah, you know, I I, I want to make sure at least my finger can pull. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing like else, wheelchair. yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I you know, aiming at the door, yeah, yeah, and so you know, I I don't I don't want to miss you know the chance to you know they had that story of that uh, that that old Confederate who was um, when the war broke out he was like uh, ninety years old or something Ruffin was his name R U F F I N as I recall and and uh, he he was one of the ones that fired the first shot. And uh, and so you know he he waited his 90 years to get a chance to uh, take on the Yankees, and so uh, you know. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, no, look, I'm not I'm not, I'm not giving up anytime soon. You know, uh, it's I'm gonna stick it out till the end, but uh, here anyway, I don't plan. The, on the thing anywhere. thing with me is I I can't uh, I can't seem to get into the habit of doing. Uh, I'm sorry to kind of d- uh, push it in this conversation other direction. But I can't seem to get into the habit of doing cardio exercise. Um, uh, it's, you know. the har- it's the worst. Yeah, and I, <laughs> it's I can the hardest do the, thing to do. Yeah. yeah, I can do the weightlifting. Yep, yep, yeah. And uh, uh, but I, I can't get into that habit of. Uh, you know, I don't. I actually don't like to leave the home very much. I'm kind of a, a person who who likes to stay in the house uh, some degree. I, I like to hike outdoors occasionally, but. Uh, it's not. It's not because I'm, I'm afraid to go out of the house. It's because every time I go out of the house, uh, it, it's such a, a miserable experience I have because of all the trash I have to witness. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, and I, I'd like to stay at home and, and you know, uh, uh, like, like I said, it's not. It's not a case of wanting to hide, but there's just not a whole lot out there for a, a decent white man to do. Yeah. Fun at you know. There's just really not. You know. And so, you know, uh, uh, cardiovascular exercise equipment, uh, that's like the aerobic exercise equipment, is very expensive. Yeah. And uh, it's, 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 to get a decent, uh, you know, uh, treadmill or something is several thousand dollars. And, 
And so you, know, you can get a good a good weight set for three or four hundred dollars. And so uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, you know that. Well, look. Well, like, something's better than nothing, I guess. Yeah. Look, let's let's take a break, and I'm going to play. Um, I'm going to play some breaks for the top of the hour, and I, I would like you to stay on with um, with Alex and I. We yeah, like to, we like to, talk to Alex, yeah. Yeah, we like to let kind of Alex run free in the second hour, <laughs> but uh, you know we like to get him get him warmed up and going. Yeah, but, uh, I got a, I got a couple more stories here that I'd like to talk about with Alex. I'm sure he's yeah. Let's squeeze him in comments, but uh, yeah, when he gets on, he can do that. That's fine. And, and let's uh, I want to play. A, you won't be able to hear this, uh, Adam, but uh, I'm going to play a little. You can hear it in the archives. I uh, play a little clip over the break by William Pierce. Vanguard Radio, no Jews. Just right. Our speaker today is Dr. William Pierce, the chairman of the National Alliance, which is the world's foremost organization working for the long-term interest of white Americans and for people of European ancestry wherever they may live. Hello. Today I want to talk with you about another element in the conditioning of our people, which makes them behave in the self-destructive manner we see all around us. I want to talk with you about the role of the schools. It's not an independent role, of course. The way in which our schools from kindergarten all the way up through the universities condition our children and young people is determined by the way in which the teachers and professors themselves have been conditioned. And in a centralized bureaucratic society such as we have in the United States today, there is a high degree of centralized control over the way in which schools condition students. It's not just the conditioning of the teachers and professors, it's also the program that they are required to follow, regardless of their own beliefs and attitudes. To the extent that there is a single program governing public education in America today, a single purpose behind education in America, it is to condition white children and young people to accept without resistance a multicultural society, a multiracial society in which they have no more important or dominant role than the descendants of their black slaves, or mestizos who have recently come across the border from Mexico, or Hmong tribesmen fresh off the boat from Southeast Asia. And it also is to condition heterosexual white males to embrace a society in which the rules are as likely to be made by homosexuals or by women wearing trousers as by men. 